Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Today, I'm very delighted to be speaking with Nicole Caruso, who is the author of a new book called Worthy of Wearing, available from Sophia Institute Press. Nicole Caruso is a professional makeup artist and beauty consultant, former beauty editor of Verily Magazine, and a homeschooling mother of three. Her mission is to inspire women to invest in their self-worth with their movement, Worthy of Wearing, which is the title of her new book. She wants to bring out the feminine genius in all women today. So welcome to How They Love Mary, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me, Father. So I see that in your bio, Worthy of Wearing, which is the title of your book, is also a hashtag. So I'm assuming that as you were going about in your fashion work and in your beauty work, that you really wanted to draw out the dignity of women, uh, of ensuring that clothes were worthy of wearing. And so how did the hashtag come about? How did this become a movement for you? Well, you know, it was something that I noticed uh, was happening in my own life where, you know, living my daily life as a stay-at-home mom, I had all these clothes that I really, truly loved wearing, but couldn't um, couldn't find a reason to wear. I was very nervous that I would ruin them or that they just would seem um, out of place, uh, you know, being in the home with my children. And But I thought, you know, I like these things. I don't want to get rid of them. I do want to wear them. So how do I do that? So I began speaking about it just with girlfriends and then through social media on Instagram and started to talk to women and say, like, you know, this is how I've been feeling. Have you ever felt this way? And it was a resounding yes. Um, so sort of together with, with this wonderful community of, of friends, um, sort of came up with this idea that, you know, our clothes, we might have clothes that we think are too nice to wear or, you know, too nice for an ordinary day like today, but that they really are worthy of wearing today. Because what happens when we wear them is we start to feel this little bit of, you know, pep in our step. We feel a little bit more confident, a little bit more put together. And it seems that we can really live our vocation in our day to day with a little bit more, um, a little bit more joy that we took some time for ourselves and we can be more present to the people we're serving in our mission every day. So really, you want to respect the dignity of all women, and especially in the way that they dress so that they don't become an object of lust. And so how is it that a person should kind of examine their conscience in terms of what they're wearing? Or, you know, how should they go about? Uh, what questions should they ask when they're thinking about buying some clothing? Yeah, this is a great question, Father, because I think um, clothing is, is something that can, you know, any material good is something that can very easily lead us to pride and vanity. Um, but I believe that when you have the right intention in wearing clothing that not only expresses who you are and, and sort of what God made you to do, it can be a tool um, not only to make you feel um, dignified in your work and your vocation and in the, the, the physical body that God gave you, um, but it also helps other people see um, this dignity that you're expressing and in return um, show you respect. And in a lot of occasions, even especially for women, um, can be a way of evangelizing because, you know, a lot of times women connect over, uh, oh, my gosh, I love your bag or, oh, my gosh, your dress is so nice. And it, the, the conversation may start there, but you really can form a friendship um, from something very simple as that. Let's say a person listening is going to go to their closet now. They're going to say, is this shirt worthy of wearing? Does this respect my dignity as an individual? Now, and they're going to say, I'm going to get rid of this shirt. 
Now, they could just give it away. They could give it to St. Vincent de Paul or Goodwill, but then that's going to enable someone else to wear that, and it's not worthy of wearing for them. So if someone goes through their closet, what should they do with the clothing that they deem unwearable now? You know, it, it's, this, is, this is helpful because I think um, sometimes we can kind of weed through our closet of things that detract from our dignity. Um, so I think that's what you're, is, is, that, is that correct what you mean there? Yes, like, correct. Yep. You know, you, you can donate, donate these, these items that then maybe shouldn't be worn again. <laughs> um, and, you know, this is something to examine. You know, I, I think it's difficult because you could maybe pass it on to a consignment store or another store, but then, of course, there it is still standing. Um, what I will say is that some clothing can detract from a woman's dignity on one body shape and then on another body shape look completely modest and dignified. So that's one thing to remember. You, you know, you don't know if someone is going to wear the clothing in a way that um, adds to their dignity or takes away from their dignity. But I think you can just, you know, pack up your items and unless it's something um, let's say very, you know, more on the extreme end that really no one could wear with dignity. Maybe that should just go in the garbage. Um, but if it's something that's sort of up to the shape and size of, of a woman's body, I think you can just, you know, say a prayer that whoever owns it next, that it brings them um, joy and that it represents their body in a way that, that dignifies them rather than taking away from that. There are lots of people uh, in the Catholic world kind of that had this conversion of life or conversion of heart. So one of them I can think of is is Leah Darrow, for example, that she was out there, mm-hmm. she was, you know, a top model. And then she said, I need to do something else. And, and she turned to her faith. She had this great conversion in her life. She's become a great speaker on chastity and modesty and all of these things. Did you have a moment where you kind of looked deep within and said, I need to do something else? I need to find things that are worthy of wearing. Yes, I think this really followed my journey of working in fashion um, in New York City. I was working for a European fashion designer that um, was very much, you know, presenting fashion on the runway, presenting couture, presenting uh, lots of different clothes, and not all of them dignified the human person. Um, And I think from having this inside view of being in sales meetings and buyer meetings and working in the showroom and doing fittings with models and just seeing how the models were treated even, um, seeing how the people were speaking about the people who would buy and and wear these clothing items, um, it really started to make me question what their intention was. Like this wasn't just about making beautiful clothing, which I think a lot of people looking at the fashion industry from the outside see it as, oh, they're just making art, you know, oh, this is just some sort of expression of creativity. But really, fashion is a business, and um, there's a very specific uh, end game, which is that they want you to buy the clothing, and so they'll sort of do whatever they need to do to make you feel like you need to buy the clothing. Um, And I think that in and of itself was a moment for me to sort of step back and think, you know, am I buying clothes because they're trendy? Why am I buying them because they're trendy? And and what does that say about me? And are the clothes I'm wearing expressing who I really am, or am I dressing to look a certain way or to be seen on the streets of New York as a fashionable woman. Um, So that's kind of where that breakdown happened for me because it's, you know, I think it's so easy to look at another woman uh, and and think, oh, I should dress like her because she always looks so nice. And it sort of um, detracts from our story and who God made us specifically to be um, because we're just trying to look like somebody else. 
So I think once I started to notice all of these things and notice that I was doing it as well, um, and also seeing how working in fashion was just, uh, you know, there was, there was a moment that I knew it was time for me to walk away and it actually happened right after confession. <laughs> um, I, I just had worked all weekend, all week for many weeks in a row and, um, almost missed mass on a Sunday for the first time, really in a very, very long time because of my job. Um, I, they were just, there was not a moment for me to get away um, and I finally made it to a mass at 7 p.m., and I busted into the church, and they had a line for confession, so I went and the, told the priest this whole story, and, you know, in a very loving, fatherly way, said, it sounds like you need to get a new job, and I think that, for me, was my moment to just release this whole idea of, like, you have to do it, you know, you have to have a career like this, you have to do things to in this certain way, and um, and really start to put Christ at the center of my life again and, and really give him these, these goals and dreams and desires I had to work with women, to work in the, in the style space. Um, but let him do it in his way in my life. And, you know, looking at where I am now, he absolutely has done that in such a beautiful way. And one of the things that led you to, of course, was being a a stay-at-home mom, it seems, to be a homeschooling mother uh, of your children. And for the parent out there who has their child, how how do you hand on the values of modest dressing to young people today? You know, I think it's you have to really start teaching kids um, as soon as they show an interest in learning how to put their own shirt on. It's really a great time to start that conversation of, you know, we're going to the pool, so today we're going to be wearing a bathing suit, or today we're going to math, so today we're wearing our math clothes. Um, really teaching them what those contexts are, context are for dressing um, so that they begin to understand that we don't just wear the same thing to every event. You know, we have specific clothes for math, we have specific clothes for play, for school, for, um, you know, f- functions, and, and just for lounging around the house on a Saturday. And I think starting there is where you can begin to teach modesty of, okay, you know, especially for little little girls, let's be mindful of the hem of your dress so, you know, you're, you're comfortable and, you know, you're not worried about it riding up or anything. And, and even for little boys, I have two sons, you know, teaching them why we would wear a collared shirt and some ironed pants to mass and not wear, you know, the basketball shorts. Um, you know, I think it's, it's important to have those conversations with your kids and also to model that for them. Um, so that's really where I feel it's so important that we, we can speak this message to as many women as we can, because a lot of us have people in our care. We're serving with our, with our feminine genius, whether we're, you know, a, a biological mother or a spiritual mother, we're passing that on. And we really have to start with ourselves so that we can then, um, then teach that through modeling it. Some people might hear the word feminism and they might cringe at that word. They'll be like, uh, you know, something will just raise a a reaction within them. But of course, there can be a negative feminism, uh, but there's also a positive feminism. And so you're kind of embracing the positive approach to feminism from the the perspective of faith and morality and things like that. Uh, Who are some of your inspirations as a woman that kind of inspire how you live out your femininity? Gosh, um, I really have to say I look to the saints, um, to saints like St. Therese, um, St. John Amola, St. Rita, St. Catherine of Siena, uh, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, um, 
even writers like Alice von Hildebrand and and then of course just modern day, you know, Catholic speakers like you said, Leah Darrow, Dr. Carrie Gress, um, you know, Mary Lenneberg, just women that speak about uh what it's like to have a moment of conversion to what it's like to dedicate your life to Christ and then truly showing how we live out our femininity in our state in life and Christ calls us to of course different vocations but that really each of us that takes so much time to discern you know where is Christ calling me what is the mission he has for me and I think for myself learning from these different saints um, going to spiritual direction really coming to know the mission God made for me is I think where I'm starting to learn about how to live out my femininity in a very authentic way. Did Pope St. John Paul II's letter to women have a major impact on you? It did. It, it really did. I, I've, you know, I've always been attracted to John Paul II, but didn't really understand, um, even when he was the Pope, what his papacy meant for our time, um, really until recently. And when I did finally read his letter to women, I was teary-eyed um, just thinking of the, the beautiful gift he gave us in recognizing um, the different ways that women live out their vocations, recognizing the strengths that God has given us as women, and doing it in such a way that um, truly is building us up and giving us this support and affirmation that I think we all need because we live in a culture that preaches self-love, that preaches feminism, that preaches um, just this uh, culture of death. Um, and so there's all these voices out there saying, this is what a woman looks like. This is what a woman looks like. And I feel like John Paul II's letter um, is such a beautiful, concise thing that every woman can read to understand, no, this, <laughs> this is the beauty of being a woman. This is the beauty Christ gave us in our womanhood. And I think one of the most beautiful women, of course, that we could look to, and this is a podcast about the Blessed Mother, but I would say would be Mary. And it's interesting because Paul VI wrote a letter in uh, 1974 called Mary Alice Cultus. And in that letter, he said, today, often the modern woman struggles to find Mary to be an example. And he says, but no, this is how she really can be an example for you. You know, some people look to Mary and say, well, she's not relatable to me because, well, she was this virgin, but yet she has a child. She's without sin. And so I'm with sin. I've done things I'm ashamed of. And and so some people found it difficult, he was saying, to take Mary as an example because of those reasons. But I think it's really because of how Mary is this beautiful woman, how she lives out her own life, her own vocation in response to God's will that really can be inspiring. So how does Mary interplay in all of this? How does Mary play a role in your own life as a wife, as a mother in this uh, feminism that we're talking about? I mean, I, I love our Blessed Mother as my mother in heaven, as a true mother in my life. And I think... Um, starting to understand that role that, that Christ gave us as having her as our mother was sort of what was this unraveling for me of starting to get to know her in a more intimate way. Um, I, I think it's very easy on the outside to look at her virginity, to look at her sinlessness and think, how could I ever have a relationship with someone like this? But I think, you know, knowing how deeply um, she loved God and how close she was to Christ, um, we can learn so much about her son 
in getting to know her because of her yes. And so I think she is just a beautiful model of motherhood, of femininity, of, of saintliness and virtue that so many of us can learn from as we, you know, deepen a relationship with Our Lady. Um, I have just felt an immense presence of, of her in my life, especially as I wrote this book, um, knowing that many women doubt their, their worth and they doubt that they're truly loved. And, um, and I know that that's a message that Christ very much wants all women to know is that they are truly loved no matter uh, what mistakes they have made, as long as they are willing to repent of them and begin again, he is like there waiting. And I think Our Lady is sort of like holding our hand, walking us to him. Um, and so I think, you know, in getting to know what type of woman she was and how she was part of this beautiful story of giving us the gift of Christ, um, that we can understand who what type of woman really is that ideal woman? Uh, someone who gives their life to Christ with their yes, who um, serves serves Him with with complete trust. I mean, even just meditating on, upon the mysteries of the Rosary, and um, or just looking at the the story of the Nativity with her flight to Egypt. I mean, I cannot imagine what that must have been like. The practical things, right? That maybe weren't written exactly um, in Scripture, but you know, just that that trust that she had to have in every moment and how she fully gave her life to Christ. And I think, you know, maybe it's not so dramatic um, when we think of it more like a movie or more like it's represented in the chosen, for example. Um, But we can learn so much from just trying to imitate that simple fiat that she gave in doing that every time a little kid tugs on your, you know, your pant leg and says, can I have a snack or can you help me in the bathroom or this and that? Those little yeses throughout the day, um, and even just that yes of giving that time to Christ in the morning in prayer, uh, really can help us understand the yes that she gave and continually gave, um, and just learning learning from her in that way. So you sat down and you wrote, Worthy of Wearing, How Personal Style Expresses Our Feminine Genius. What's your hope for people who pick up this book? My my deep hope for this book is that women will come to know that the fashion industry does not need to tell them how to dress, <laughs> that they can feel empowered to really understand that their story and their state in life um, is already informing their style and that they can just use some very practical tips to, to hone that in um, and make getting dressed every day something that takes you know, just a few seconds and that, you know, creates a lasting effect of just um, a a peace and a steadfastness that, you know, I've taken my time to get ready. Now I'm sort of ready for anything. You know, I love the image of like St. Joan of Arc putting on her armor. Um, I think all of us as women can do that every morning. Just take a few minutes, put on your armor for the day. And I really think that um, that gives us the peace of mind to really serve in our mission um, without thinking of ourselves uh, and and knowing that we are truly loved um, by God and and truly worthy of of feeling that love from Him, and um, I just I hope that women can can read this book and feel very edified that even if fashion and or style has been something that they've always been puzzled by, 
that these tips are practical enough to just give them a little bit of footing and confidence. What would you say to a man who's listening to this podcast right now? Of course, this book seems to cater a lot to women and and (laughs) is a guidebook for them. But what should the man's takeaway be from our conversation today? You know, I've talked about this with my husband, and I think after um, hearing his feedback on my book, he, I think, understood in a new sense that um, fashion, though it can, yes, be frivolous in some ways, can also be a way to um, really make your wife recognize her beauty and her dignity from God and, um, and really trying to encourage that. So I think for him, he thought, like, you know, I, wanna, I do want to compliment um, our daughter and you when you take the time to put some, a nice outfit on. I want to make you know that that's, that's very special, and I, I recognize that effort. And also um, the practical point of, you know, maybe we should replace those 10-year-old shoes that have holes in them and, and get a new pair of shoes and, and feel free to do that um, in a way that uh, makes you feel good and that really serves that need, but also um, can make you up, sort of update your wardrobe. I think men uh, can just maybe read this book if they do and try to support the women in their lives a little bit more um, by uh, letting them sort of express themselves in this way. So this book would make a great gift for their wife, probably, right? And also just for themselves as they um, try to understand uh, these different things uh, in the life of a woman, and uh, especially uh, as they raise their own kids, especially if they're raising daughters. Absolutely. I, I think this, especially for the dads out there that maybe are, are single dads that are trying to find a resource to help raise you know, their daughters, I think this can really be a great tool for them um, to provide a little bit of insight and, and practicality. Um, and also, you know, I think dads of, of teenagers could really benefit from this book because it helps them to, you know, show their daughters how to dress as a modern woman, which is what I think every teenager wants to be modern and relevant, but also giving them guidelines that um, teaches them how to respect their body and not just completely fall into the trap of the, the trends and the culture and, you know, whatever's happening on whichever most popular app is, is out at the time. There's always a few questions that I like just asking guests about their devotion to Mary. And one of them is just, what's your favorite title for Mary? She's a woman of many names. And so is there one that you call upon more often? I think Our Lady Queen of Peace is one that comes to mind most of all for me. But I also love Our Lady Star of the Sea. That's another special one. Yes, lots of people on the show have mentioned their great love uh, for that title, the Star of the Sea, that's for sure. Mm. Um, how about a rosary tip? So people pray the rosary, and some of them say, you know, I don't really get much out of it. I don't know if I do it right or good enough. Uh, do you have anything that's helped you pray the rosary better? You know, Father, I'm such a visual person, and I think for a long time I kept trying to pray the rosary, um, you know, just reading off the the mysteries just on a you know on a piece of paper and a book and I think what's really helped me especially being a homeschooling mom is actually looking at sacred art um, or just images of each mystery it really helps me contemplate them much more deeply and not get distracted or just feel like I'm not connecting um, so for anyone out there who might be listening that's a very visual person um, having some sacred art in your home or 
even just in a little booklet, is um, just a beautiful way to bring more contemplation to the prayer. Um, how about a favorite Marian apparition of the Blessed Mother? Oh, I would have to say Our Lady of Fatima. Um, I just am enamored by the entire story of Our Lady appearing to these three little children and all of the beautiful things um, and difficult things that she shared with, that she shared with them um, and just how convicting um, it was for the, this entire town to come and see these miracles. And um, yeah, I, I just read a book about it to my, to my children and actually another Sophia book. Um, and it's, it, it was just, a, it's so special to um, see how Our Lady entrusted these little ones with, with so much. Um, so I love, I love that apparition. And there are lots of Marian shrines throughout the country, throughout the world. Some are to apparitions, you know, but others are devotional titles to Our Lady. Um, is there a shrine that you've visited that has left an impression upon you? Well, I've, I haven't been to as many as I would dream to go to. Um, <laughs> I think I would love to go to Lourdes one day. But um, I have been in, I live right outside of Washington, D.C., so of course we're right near the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, and it is a truly breathtaking place to pray, to walk, to attend Mass, um, and it's incredible because there are all these side altars of all the different apparitions of Our Lady, so you get this sense of traveling, even if you're not able to visit all these beautiful countries. Um, you can just go to all the different side altars and see the beautiful devotions to Our Lady and apparition sites and, um, and how she's represented with each one. It's really, really special. Definitely. It's one of my favorite places to pray. I've only been there, I think, once, and I say that. One of my favorite places to pray. Uh, but I hope <laughs> to get back there one of these days and to spend a, a significant amount of time there and to be able to really take in every one of those altars. I was I was a young kid back in the day when I was there. Still had a great love for Mary at the time. You know, I think I was 20 at the time. I was discerning a religious community, was out there, etc. So, um, how about a Marian book? Is there a, a book about Mary that you've read that you would want to recommend to someone? You know, a book that completely changed my life when I had just had a reversion in, in high school um, was The World's First Love by Fulton Sheen. And I think that book completely changed my entire worldview about who the Blessed Mother is, her role in our faith, um, the, the pure gift that she is to us. So I would definitely recommend um, any of Fulton Sheen's writings, but most especially that one. Great. Well, that's all my questions about the Blessed Mother and your life. And um, I guess maybe just as a way to conclude, uh, how can people learn more about you, Nicole? How can they get a copy of Worthy of Wearing, How Personal Style Expresses Our Feminine Genius? Well, if they would like to purchase the book, um, they can go to sophiainstitute.com or they can look for the book on Amazon. Um, and if they would like to find out more about me, they can visit my website, nicolemcaruso.com. And I'm also on Instagram with the handle nmcaruso. Um, and we are just uh, creating some beautiful new things for Worthy of Wearing with an Instagram page as well as a website, which is worthyofwearing.com. So we will be updating that as we have uh, as the book launches, and as all the, the fun things start to come as we celebrate the launch of the book. Are you designing clothes and selling clothes? Like, do you have your own line? 
I don't. I don't. It's something I have uh, thought about for a long time, but I'm <laughs> still not sure uh, about the timing of that, but we'll see. Okay. Well, very good. I thank you so much for being with me today. And people, I really encourage you to look her up on the internet, on Instagram, find her book uh, on Amazon or wherever you get your Catholic books. Uh, the cover is a very attractive cover. And, you know, when I looked at it, it reminded me of walking into Barnes & Noble because it's a picture of you on the cover. But it's kind of saying this is a book that we're talking about what's worthy of wearing. And you exemplify it right there on the cover. And I think that it's a great message that you're sending just from the very cover of the book. So everybody uh, go and check it out and get your copy today. Thanks so much for joining me today, Nicole. Oh, thank you so much, Father. You have been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. If you don't mind, please leave a review of How They Love Mary on Apple Podcasts. Share the podcast with your family or your friends. It's available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, or wherever people find their podcasts. And if you don't mind, please give me a follow on social media at the handle at FR Edward Looney. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, let's remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.